Hello, welcome to another episode of the Spirit of 2016 podcast, sponsored by Can We Just Talk About Shay Charles for Half an Hour? Uh, we're going to try not to. I'm Andy Bell. I'm joined by Peter Baker. I'm joined by Ben Harshaw. We will get stuck straight in because that's what everyone wants to hear us talking about. That performance, Pete. Um, we're not going to win the group, are we? Um, it's a it's a campaign that's more or less over before it started. I mean, it, uh, I don't want to completely rule us out, but it would take a miracle at this stage. If you're going to win a six, if you're going to win a three team group where there's six games, you can't be losing at home, and that's what we've done. No, it's it's. It's tough to see our way back in from here. I mean, this is the first podcast I've done in a while. Came in, I uh, was doing the preparation this afternoon, all excited for it. Really gets me in the mood preparing uh, for the podcast for the North Ireland games. And it, supporting North Ireland must be the closest experience I'll ever get to going through childbirth. <laughs> painful as you, weird analogy, but it's so painful to watch. And then you forget about it for six months and how bad that pain was. And you come back all excited to do it all again. And it's the same, same old story. Uh, yeah, very, very tough watch tonight, I've got to say. Yeah, any women listening, please do let us know what's more painful, um, <laughs> childbirth or watching George Savile swivel and hit a shot into defenders' legs. And then it was just totally unstructured, wasn't it? It was, I felt in the first half, it was like someone would get the ball and then nobody would be within 30 yards of them. So it had to be a, a either a long ball or a kind of Hollywood ball to try and get it into another green shirt. And it wasn't working. We don't have the technical players. We've decent technical players. We don't have the technical players to, to be doing that. We need to kind of create triangles. We need to get other of our players around the man in possession and try and work it like that. It was very clear very early that the long ball wasn't going to work. Reese were letting nothing in behind. Um, and we don't adapt. And you can blame Barraclough. And yes, certainly he takes far too long to change things, but also the players on the pitch need to adapt a little bit as well. They need to see that's not working and, and do something themselves, don't they? Oh, definitely. Um, I'm certainly not going to defend Barraclough, but um, it was a part of me today was thinking, you know, I come on and I'm always saying, oh, the manager's not right, the manager's not right. But those players put in an awful performance. You know, the manager sets them up, sends them out there, um, and there certainly are things that need to be addressed there. Um, but, but, you know, they just... They were just lethargic. They were just so poor. They, they, they seemed out of ideas for them for the most part. Um, you know, there's only maybe one or two that could come out of that with any credit. Uh, and you know, it was just poor because it was it, it, what what frustrates me the most is like, you know, we, we're well used to playing against teams and being beaten by a team that's good and they're better and whatever. Northern Ireland, as long as Northern Ireland are going 100 percent at them, whatever, we'll give our best. But I mean. That was two terrible teams out there. Unfortunately, the one in green were just more terrible than the, the Greeks. Yeah, Greece weren't massively impressive, Pete. It's a streetwise side. I know it's not, it's actually quite a young Greek side, but it's certainly a Greek side, as, as we were discussing in the pre-pod, who um, certainly carry on the ideals from 2004 right down to Fernando Santos. <laughs> um, they were wasting time. They were getting their body in the way of the ball. They were buying fouls. Don't get me wrong, all things we want us to be doing if we were in that situation as well. And I think there was a, 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 quite a big disparity in what looked like experience, but certainly nice. And certainly certainly we, we, we looked a little bit naive out there. Maybe that's going to be endemic of the squad that was picked. Maybe that's going to be a, just a case of that But uh, and the players that are out. But I really felt like it was a case of they were streetwise and they really picked off our inexperience tonight. That's literally 
comes to fruition in the goal where Paddy Lane, and we don't want to pick on anyone, but he's sucked in, he makes a mistake and they ultimately open up and uh, and get a goal themselves. They should have one just at the start of the second half. They didn't create an awful lot. They didn't play fantastic football, um, but they gave us a little bit of a lesson tonight, didn't they? Yeah, I think you're, I think you're right there. I mean, we, I mean, when the lineup came up, came out, I was pretty excited. Lavery, okay. wide up top, bit of pace there. Two young wing backs, um, you know, I thought could do some damage. But Greece seemed to just get it right tactically for whatever reason in the first half. Pinned the wing backs and didn't allow us to get any balls down the channel to Lavery or White. Um, and they completely controlled the first half, got their goal, which was probably, I mean, their ideal outcome. Um, best thing that could have happened to them. And then the second half, they just uh, went back to their roots, sitting back, defending for 45 minutes, and we didn't really threaten them. I mean, I know Barclough made the changes and we looked a lot better there, but it's it's far easier to play football when you're given the time and space, like Greece did in the second half. We had the ball at the back just because they were sitting back defending. The first half, when they pressed... We found it so difficult to even pass through the lines. Um, the midfielders weren't really making themselves available. And it was going out to the young fullbacks who'd look up the line and maybe were a bit panicked. And just instead of trying to lose, instead of losing the ball, they just try and get it safe. And we, we just weren't fluid in the first half at all. I'm just thinking back, Ben, to memories of being really excited for World Cups. You only come around once every four years. You're having a few beers in the back garden. You've got the barbecue. You've got the family around. You've got your mates around, whatever. And it comes to a game and it's somebody against Greece. And you end up just questioning why you've wasted two hours of your life, you know, instead of uh, going out and just enjoying yourself and then to have it actually done to the team you support is, is so frustrating. But we don't help ourselves. Pete's absolutely right. The tactic of trying to get Lavery in behind didn't work. It's as quiet as this is. It's his quietest game in a Northern Ireland shirt and it's not his fault. He needed some help around that. He needed maybe to adapt his own game himself. And I mean, goodness me, we talk about uh, in the pre in the pre-pod about Craiganisms. Stephen Craigan made a point, which was actually quite good, that Lavery needs to adapt his game a little bit more in the next stage for him is to be able to drop deep and, and, and make some changes to his game when there isn't that space in behind. But he knew it was a good point and he repeated it about five times. <laughs> so ruined it for himself. I know you're not the biggest fan, but... Um, yeah, that, that just didn't seem to work all night. And I don't know, like, there are certain things that Ian Barclough does which really frustrate me, which seem like it's just purely for the narrative. It's not anything to do with helping us go on and get back into the game. And one of those things is the idea that he has to wait until 60 minutes to make a substitution tonight. Why? Every Northern Ireland fan on that ground and watching at home could have told you that if we keep the same personnel on the pitch, keep the same system as we did for the first 45 for the next 15, it would be the exact same. So you end up just, like, I understand why he doesn't want to do Lafferty straight away. I understand why he doesn't want to do Lafferty at, at halftime. I understand that can ruin things, but it, it couldn't have been any worse, really. Why, why does he wait so long? There's, I know there's quite a lot of questions in there, but yeah, delve into what you want. No, absolutely. Um, there, there's, there's two things that I want to say on it. Yes, he took far, far too long. And like I said before, the players take a massive amount of blame for the first half. You know, because I, I didn't have any real problems with the team that was sent out there. It, it just didn't work. But that's when the manager takes control. It's not going to work. It wasn't going to work against that team. You know, that's when he needs to make a change. And a brave manager makes a change at halftime. 
especially, I mean, we, basically we were we were not getting forward down the sides. And I, and I thought their, their right back was funny because Craig had said towards the end, Rada, I think his name was, I think he said he had a good game when he came off. I thought he was absolutely rotten. Um, you know, and I thought, I thought he was okay going forward, but I thought defensively he was panicking anytime we did get near him. So at that stage, if we're getting a winger on there that's running at running at someone, I think no other teams are better when someone running, taking the game to him, especially at Windsor, brings a crowd more into it as well. Instead of just sitting back and you know, the, the young young fullbacks, I'm not gonna have a go at them. You know, they weren't they weren't wonderful, but they will learn from it, they will get better. Um, well, well is, is that the risk just to pick up on that because me you and I to be fair as well have said in many podcasts you know if we just to kind of stick up for Ian Barclough just to play even devil's advocate you know if he plays mm-hmm. uh, we don't mind if he plays the young lads and they have a stinker at least he's trying to do that he does pick a fairly progressive team tonight it's two young lads up front with pace in behind it's two young um, wing backs as well now it didn't really work but you know I don't know, should he then take them out of the firing line? If you hook them at half time, does it knock their confidence? I mean, you can't really blame Barclough for certainly the team selection or, or, or trying to be progressive tonight. It just didn't work and he didn't change it quick enough. No, no, I don't, I don't blame him. And I wouldn't, I, wouldn't have hooked, I wouldn't have hooked them at half time. I would have changed the system and I would have got, I would have got wingers into the game. You know, that, that's, when, that's, that's what I would have done. And that would have, in my opinion, that would have helped them. You know, because I think, I think the biggest problem there, particularly with Bradley, I think the biggest problem was he wasn't sure what to do. He wasn't sure whether he needed to be a defender or whether he needed to get forward. And he was he was caught in those two minds and was thinking, I'm our only outlet here on the side. I've got to get up. But he wasn't wasn't able to do that and he wasn't able to get into the game then. Um, you know, so so I think if you had him then play them maybe as it played a played the back four and had them as out night full backs, for example, you know, it would have let them settle into it then, you know, get, find their feet in the game and then be able to be able to get forward perhaps. As because because they would have had a winger ahead of them who could overlap you could, could overlap and then you've got cover, um as opposed as opposed to them being the only one doing either job, and then the only the, the other thing you were you, what you said there was you know and I agree with you you don't want to bring Lafferty on at half time and I hundred percent I don't think he wouldn't have been my first sub, um in terms of forward the one the one thing that I would question the manager in terms of is is there progression from previous you know previous squads. So the, the reason I would say that is like the Hungry game, we were talking, we did the podcast after, I think it was just me and you, and we were saying about how Dale and Charles had really made an impact when he came on. Mm-hmm. Now, if we'd have we'd have taken something from that, we'd have learned from that, then Dale and Charles perhaps was the first sub to play maybe with Lavery, something like that, because those two finished, if, if I'm right, uh, played, played well towards the end of that Hungry game. Whereas Dion Charles was was already was a ladder sub, Lafferty's on before him who had wasn't even in the squad. You know, are are we learning from previous experiences? Yeah, there's some very fair points there. I think Pete, especially on the the kind of tactical insight into the the wing backs, and I did feel sorry for them. And I thought Bradley actually had some good moments as well. And it was a little bit of a shame because early doors he was doing some brilliant pressing, and like he's got real searing pace, hasn't he? And yeah. I was thinking, like, you can tell that this guy's been training with the Liverpool first team that's been training under Jurgen Klopp. The problem was that his direct opponent was Costa Simicus, who also trains under Jurgen Klopp every day. Um, and Simicus does get the better of him tonight. There's no doubt about that. But he hardly disgraced himself, I think, as Ben, as ben alludes to. He just looked a little bit nervous and panicked on the ball on a couple of occasions. But 
I, I, I kind of like his bravery. I never felt that he really sh- um, shied away from anything. Same with Lane, to be fair. But um, I think going forward, as we'll, we'll go on to talk about the next games later on in the podcast. But I think that balance of having a left footer on the left-hand side, I know it's a simple point to make, but a Lewis or a Ferguson um, can offer quite a bit because obviously Lane's going to look to cut in uh, as much as he can. Do you think that with the reality of this squad that's been picked, with the reality of where we are as a football nation right now, um, that we're just going to have to kind of get used to a little bit of a lull like this? And at this point, it doesn't look like we're going to win the group. So do you think the next three games are should very much be looking at them from a developmental point of view? Or do you, how much emphasis would you put in getting results in the next few? Um, I don't know what you think about that. I mean, it's, it's going to be a real balancing act. Um, I mean, what is it, four games in 11 days? I mean, that's, a, that's a tough schedule for a squad that's just come together. And it's quite depleted. I mean, are we missing, I don't know, is it five, six or seven guys who would normally make up that yeah, at least, yeah. squad of 18 who would rotate? So, I mean, from my point of view, the games against Cyprus, you, you sort of rest the players. You bring in the sort of younger guys, hopefully, hopefully for an easier game. And I'd probably, I mean, I thought this was the strongest squad or team we could offer tonight. And I'd probably play that team against Kosovo and then see who's available for the last game against Cyprus, who's still got the, who's still got energy in the legs. I, th- I think it's difficult to expect much, much from this period with the, the squad we have because of the four games. There, it, there isn't really the depth uh, to cover us too well. And that's we're just victims of circumstance, to be honest. Um, performance tonight could have been better, that being said, definitely given the team we had out. But there'll be ups and downs, I think. Well, I'll stick with you, Pete, and we will bring in uh, one positive because I thought Shay Charles, when he came on, was absolutely fantastic. Um, you have to caveat it with the fact, you know, I don't want to use it as a a means of criticizing the midfielders who started the game because the midfielders who started the game were subject to a grease press. They were subject to a, a more positive grease side. Whereas by that point of the game, they were kind of just like, yeah, we'll let them have the ball there. And we're fairly confident they're not going to hurt us. But even still to come on at 18 years old, I think um, they said in commentary, it was his first senior appearance in football. Never mind, never mind for his country. It, it, it's his first senior appearance in football. We know he's been training with the, the, the Man City under 23s. We know he's been training with the Man City first team. And for me, he looked like a guy who's, who's been training under Pep Guardiola. He moved the ball very well. He was demanding it. He was confident. There were even a couple of times he made angles for players where I thought they could have used him and had a little, little bit more confidence in him. But he's certainly someone I want to see a little bit more of as the as, as these three games progress and possibly even a start if, if things do get desperate in the midfield like they were for quite a while tonight. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he was... From the glimpses that I saw, um, when I wasn't biting my nails waiting for the goal, he, he looked very tidy. And I suppose when you're training with Pep, that's that's real pressure. Under so he'll notice so much in training, and you'll be under so much scrutiny. And if you're not up to the standard, you'll be out. Mm-hmm. So he's, I'm sure he's well used to playing under high intent or high intensity environments. So I mean, he looked like he took it at a stride tonight. I'd be more than happy to see him play against Cyprus I mean we're always looking for the next young player to come through we've seen it with Ali McCann we've seen it with Ballard relatively unknown players not much first team experience and they've come through and they've or sorry not McCann in that regard but certainly Ballard and they've shown 
So I'd throw him in against Cyprus. I mean, there's not much to lose. We'll probably have a lot of the ball mm-hmm. and that'll probably suit him. So I'd, I'd say give him a try. I'd be more than happy to give him a try, Ben, but are we falling into the trap we always fall into? The Galbraith trap, I guess, of a, a year ago where a young player comes on, does his bit, and, and we sort of think throw them straight in, give them a chance, and kind of what happens to Bradley and, and, and Lane tonight is what happens against kind of more experienced players and, and nations who have been together, or their, their, their squad have been together a lot longer than ours, and can pick them off a little bit. Do you think he needs to go for a more experienced side on Sunday? and make sure we do get the win in that game because let's face it, Cyprus are by far the weakest team in the group. Based, certainly me and, me and Pete watched the, I don't know if you saw it, the, the Kosovo-Cyprus game earlier today and oh. second half, second half Kosovo were, were quite a bit better. Cyprus did have a good first half, but um, certainly tailed off and there was a big difference between the two sides. So if it is against the weakest side in the group, do you sort of see that as, you know, that's a chance to give the younger players uh, a little bit more of a chance because, as I say, you know, they might have a little bit more time on the ball, or do you think there's more pressure on them given that those are the games we definitely have to win if we don't want this group to become very embarrassing for us? There's two there's two ways to look at it. Um I, I wouldn't have a total problem and certainly certainly wouldn't don't think Shay Charles or any any of the youngster youngsters would let you down. Um but I would be more of the opinion that you play not necessarily the three that we played today, but more experienced ones get hopefully get into a lead. With, with a view to bringing them on for that little bit longer, um, like to Charles. So, you know, uh, there's there's players in there that can, can do your job. Like McCalmott's in there, um, who's inexperienced, but a little bit more experienced. So yeah. I would probably be more inclined to go, go on that route. Um, from what I've seen, Charlie McCann at club level, I, I certainly think he has a lot to offer and will have a lot to offer. Um, and towards the end of the season there at club, he was getting more more um, first-team football as well um, and really wasn't looking out of place. So he's somebody that I'd be very excited about and I wouldn't mind seeing in a game like that. Um, but I feel like the manager the manager needs needs a win. He really does. So, you know, I think he's going to go. He's going to go relatively strong. Yeah, I, I could see that happening as well. Um, there will have to be changes to the squad. There, if you know, Some of the players in our squad have played 50 games this season. And, and I think almost it would be easier if they didn't have the two weeks off because it's kind of like, yeah, we keep going, we keep going and just bounce into those games, keep doing what you've been doing all season. Uh, but just sort of have the two weeks off and then go back in and then have a break again. I don't know how that works um, exactly. I'm mainly just going off how I feel after two weeks off running, which is which is dreadful, Pete. Um, but yeah, so to kind of talk a little bit about the Cypress game before we do some comments and <laughs> man of the match. <laughs> I don't know if I'm brave enough to put this one out, I might have to edit that. But we've all mentioned the, the change in formation tonight. And while it's not a great deal better, it is slightly more positive. The crowd get a little bit more up for it. And we do have a little bit more of an impact. Do you think we should switch to that formation for at the back for Cyprus on Sunday? And I, I don't, firstly, I don't really know much about Cyprus. Um, I mean, we, we all had reason to believe that three at the back or five at the back tonight would have worked. However, it obviously didn't. Uh, we recognised that pretty early after about 15 minutes. So then it's up to the manager and the players to be able to adapt to what they're faced with. And we simply didn't. Um, again, I'd be happy to see us go three, three at the back slash five at the back against Cyprus as long as it works. And if and if it is working, fantastic. If it's not, please adapt. You know, please 
be able to have a plan in mind to shift some players around where we can change our plan slightly. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I'd like to see. I, well, it's it's fairly likely that they're going to set up in a similar way to Greece. Yeah. I don't certainly don't think there's going to be loads of space for Lavery and White to run in behind on no. Sunday. So that's something I would certainly like to see change. Do you think you'll still go with Lavery because he's the informed striker? But who would you then want to partner him? I'd probably go with Charles mm-hmm. just to see what he's like. I mean, he's had a bit of an impact in the last two games. Lafferty works well as an impact player. Now that he's fit, I mean, he made a bit of an impact tonight. Maybe will I suppose he's the he's the one with a bit of experience playing in and around Cyprus, the club level. So didn't have much of an impact though. I think it was one goal in thirteen. I did I did <laughs> notice actually from their team there were three or four playing for the team where he was uh, he played the first half of the season at Anarthosis Famagusta. Um, ben, whether he goes for it or not, or whether you think it's right for him to go for it or not, we're talking about this 4-3-3 and we're talking about a change of formation again. Give me your thoughts, first of all, on whether you do think we should go for that formation switch, but also, do you think he set his stall out far too much with this 3-5-2? I mean, I know there's, I haven't got each individual game and each individual formation we've made. I know he's done it in a couple of friendlies here and there. But with Michael O'Neill, you felt it was really interchangeable. I mean, even we go into the European Championships, play three at the back in the first game, and then we're able to switch to four at the back for the next one. Um, whereas Ian, it's been 20 minutes here, maybe one friendly here, he's played the four. And I understand that he's got the players for the three at the back. Um, and I, I sort of noticed that very early. And I do think that with strikers we have available, we're better with two men up front. Um, but he's certainly, he's certainly not left himself the best of chances to be able to switch formation tactically in the game is how I see it. Yeah, I think I think a good I mean I've said this before, I think a good manager needs to be flexible. Um so one in answer to your question, I would I would like to see us go four three three um on Sunday. I'm losing track of when the actual games are there's that many of them. But uh on Sunday um I'd like to see us go four three three. And the reason reason being I think I've said before in previous podcasts is that I've no problem with this pen the three slash five at the back, but I think it needs to be dependent on the the opposition. You know, if we're playing a team where we feel like we're the underdogs, then I think having that extra you know defensive defensive element to us is a good thing. But if we're going if we're going here as favourites, expecting slash hoping to win the game, then you know I think I think having having a, having one less at the back and, and that more attacking with. I think it'll benefit us, and I think I think we need to we need to use it in games where we expect to win, so that it it does become that a little bit more interchangeable. But I agree with you. I don't think he has. I think he set us all out with the with the five at the back too much, and uh, you know he's kind of left himself backed into a corner with it. Yeah, all completely fair. Um, all completely fair. Lafferty or Charles Ben? Oh, it's Other? Charles. Charles for me. Charles. Okay, both Charles and Lafferty. Front. Charles and Lafferty, okay. Yeah, well, let's see if that works. Um, uh, shall we do the comments? I suppose what the only other factor really is is the heat on Sunday, isn't it? It's We're going to be playing a 30-degree heat in Larnaca, um, 7 p.m. kickoff, local time. Um, that's going to play a factor. I mean, there's, there's going to be fatigue. There's already fatigue in, in our squad where, where players that aren't, aren't used to, to playing in those temperatures. I, I was about to tweet today when I was doing a little bit of uh, a halftime update at... Um, uh, for the the Cyprus against Kosovo game, I, I tweeted basically, um, Cyprus have been on top. And then I was going to say Kosovo struggled with the heat. And then I had a look and Larnica was 30 degrees and Pristina was 33. So yeah, glad, <laughs> glad I didn't go for that. 
<laughs> I always find I always find that interesting. It used to be it felt like Jackie Flirting every time. Anytime there was like any sort of rain at Windsor Park, his analysis before the game would be basically that uh, oh they'll not be used to this, like as if it never rains in Iceland or something. <laughs> you know, just anywhere outside the UK is really hot. Dead on Jackie. Anyway, let's um, rattle through some some comments. We'll go Facebook first because um, yeah. <laughs> maybe I have to filter some out here um, Paul Arbuthnot says absolutely dire I came up from Cork to watch that garbage could the IFA please refund my petrol money uh, good luck with that <laughs> Richard McDermott says looking like a bleak few years if that displays anything to go by Curtis Coach per performance again Mike McBride Premier Sports did did most of us a favour by cutting out signals sporadically throughout the game <laughs> really really poor across the park Greece were always going to be difficult to break down but we showed absolutely nothing creatively going forward to worry them at all Neil McCulloch says Kosovo aren't as bad as people think yet they're actually favourites for um, the game on uh, next Thursday and uh, there were shorter odds than us to beat um, to, to beat Greece as well so yeah that, you know that could potentially be a, be a defeat there as well if we're not careful he says, if we play like this, we could go down to Division D and then maybe realise uh, Barra out. Long ball tactics uh, brings in Aidy Boothroyd, a long ball manager. Kyle Hollywood, first half shocking, second half a bit better. Overall, not good enough. Gareth Smith, shocking, no creativity, far too narrow. He seems to insist on playing five at the back despite being 1-0 down at home. Build-up play is too slow and too patient. We look better when we play a bit more direct and on the front foot. Only late on, when we started to press and change the system, did we have any width in the final third and managed to create a few chances. All in all, shocking performance against what is a very average Greek side. Um, let me just scroll down. Just quite a little bit of, just a couple of comments. Passive, really poor, terrible lineup. Barclough's not the man, usual sentiment. Uh, we'll go over to Twitter quickly. Uh, Bill Donald got to play experienced players such as McGinn and Lafferty. Shea Charles does look quality. First half as bad as I can remember. No fighter passion. Barclough under pressure now. A game where a draw was a minimum. One thing, home nations in June equals poor performances. Uh, rubbish says Craig absolutely no creativity no alternative plan even with change of shape nothing seemed to be different can't think of any positives odd selection odd subs odd timing of subs four goals in nine competitive home games under Barclough says Richard nowhere near good enough yeah that is quite a damning statistic um, it really is it just feels like we've, we've seen the film before doesn't it it feels like we're talking about Hungary yeah most of them actually are own goals as well and, and the other ones are penalties um, heading towards the days of the McElroy era says Stephen Patterson um, Tom Bell first 60 minutes too lightweight up front very little creativity where is Stuart Dallas when you need him most and then somebody's just responded to a photo of Stuart Dallas in a hospital drip so fair enough that's, that's your question answered Tom <laughs> he needs to go it's rubbish nothing new from what we've seen in the end of Club boring inspirational and one dimensional yeah um we're not going to have the, the Barclough debate because I think we all know he's, he's certainly going to get at least these four fixtures. I'd say he's probably going to get the Nations, the rest of the Nations League as well. And um, we've done it a few times. We'll do it again at the end of the Nations League if we have to. Um, so we'll wrap it up there, fellas. Unless you've got any other business, and feel free to chime in with any other thoughts you have. I'll ask you for a hey, man of the match. If you can stomach it, Ben, you can go first. Yeah, the, the only other business was man of the match. And it's the only player that I thought actually played well, which is Ballard. I really thought he was he was good, um, which is. I feel like every game since his debut, he's been in the debate for man of the match. Yeah, and he's improved so much. And in terms of his 
again, I'm a Graham McCraigan here, which is breaking the habit of a lifetime, but, um, you know. <laughs> Things he, really are desperate. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but he's, he's lost rashness that he used to have when he first came in. Yeah. Um, and, it, you know, it's just his timing of things. You can tell that he's playing, he's, I was going to say he's playing football, but he played for Millwall, so he probably wasn't playing football. Um, but, yeah, no, he's really, really has, really has improved. And, you know, he does deserve to take some credit from tonight. Pete Ballard for you as well. Yeah, yeah, we discussed it before, and Ballard as well. Nothing, nothing really more to add apart from it can't get any worse than this tonight, surely. <laughs> Cyprus away on Sunday. <laughs> Stay tuned for the post-match show. Um, yeah, the the, um, the Twitter agrees with you as well. Uh, only sixty-two votes. I mean, it's not the biggest sample size of all time. I don't think <laughs> interest is certainly at a waning low for the podcast, but um, we will keep plugging along anyway. Daniel Ballard gets forty-five percent of the vote. Shay Charles gets thirty-five percent. So a good few people agreeing with us there, and and that he was a positive. Pat Inkner and Kyle Lafferty ten percent each. I was scraping the bottom of the barrel um, for Man of the Match suggestions there. Um, Ben's shaking his head, but I'm going to just close the podcast before he can chime in with any personal abuse of me. Uh, so thank you very much to Pete. Thank you very much to Ben for coming on and trying to find some words after that. Uh, we will be back after all three. Uh, well, maybe I'll not promise all three, but uh, we're, we're, that's what we're planning to do anyway. We'll certainly be back after Cyprus uh, directly on the full-time whistle on Sunday. Um, so do stay tuned. Follow us on the Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, whatever you listen to your podcasts on. Hopefully we can be somewhat of a cathartic uh, therapeutic voice throughout this because I think there, there may well be a few more podcasts like this if, if tonight's anything to go by. But anyway, uh, I'm rambling and I'm going to stop. So thanks, Pete. Thanks, Ben. Uh, this has been your post-Grease podcast and see you on Sunday. Bye-bye.